Welcome to episode one with Michael and Eric, the podcast where we watch the first episode of a streaming exclusive show and talk about it. I'm Michael. And I'm Eric. And this week we watched The Bear. On FX, on Hulu, on Who Cares. Which I still don't believe is actually streaming exclusive. They're not playing this shit on FX? Correct. So that's, I, I double checked anything that is... Not anything. There can be FX on Hulu exclusives. And those aren't being played on FX. And the bear is one of those. The bear is one of those. Which is why I decided. That being said. Spoiler. This show is fucking great. I loved this show. So I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up on FX at some point. Just so much yelling though, dude. Was there? Yeah, it was just all yelling. Everything, I've never worked in a kitchen as a chef or in any capacity, but everything about this jives with everything I know about what it's like to work in a kitchen, other than there wasn't any obvious Coke being snorted, <laughs> which I understand is potentially, uh, or supposed supposedly, like, fairly prominent in big kitchens. It's got to be awful to work in a kitchen. I don't, like, chef... I don't know why anybody would want to do it. I enjoy cooking. I wouldn't want to have to do it professionally. Not, uh, yeah, I don't think I would want to have to do it in volumes like that. But, like, I think, you you know, being a chef at a smaller boutique place where you're the one setting the menu. Like, I don't know how big the restaurant was that he came from. But, you know, a place that I'm sure costs a fucking arm and a leg. Where he's setting the menu and maybe not having to cook for a thousand people, but instead just like 15 or 20 seems a lot more reasonable, but it all seems insane. Yeah. Just crazy. You know, I was thinking about the chef and like, I'm, I started doing some baking lately and like being at like baker and stuff. And I know that those hours are still just ridiculous. Um, as a baker? As a baker. Like, yeah, because most of your stuff, people are wanting fairly early, and so you're having to start cooking at, like, fucking four in the morning. Yeah, the woman who's teaching the master class I'm taking, when she first started out, her hours were 4 a.m. to midnight. No. <laughs> no. You're not... That's... She traded... the Having heard her story from you, yeah, she traded one hell for another. Like, yep. I, I get it. I get that that's what you got to do to start a small business. But that's a why I want no part of starting a small business ever. And my like, especially anything like that, I could see myself doing some contracting work. But like, a business where I've got to run a shop sounds like hell. And then B, I think it also explains why Kathy's theory is that all small business owners are far more cocky and pretentious than they have any right to be, considering most of them are failing. Um, and I think it's just because you have to, I think your ego just takes over and is like, I have to do this to make you feel like it's worth it. Otherwise this has all been a waste of my fucking time. My first note, uh, was not about the show itself so much as about FX on Hulu, which, uh, their slogan before the show was fearless. And all I can think is, yeah, but they were too afraid to put this show on FX. She put the exact same thing. Yeah. (laughs) I rolled my eyes when that came up. <laughs> I've seen that slogan before, but all I could think even, and then even after the show was like, why, why wouldn't you put the, like, this show was fucking, I, I still haven't heard your opinion on this show yet, but I don't care. I loved this show. I thought it was fine. I don't know if I will watch more of it because it was a half hour of yelling and a half hour of just like, uh, 
very solvable problems that nobody wanted to solve. So I, I so the yelling I understand and agree with, but I think I'd be surprised if that keeps up through even the next episode. I think that that the thing that I loved the most about this show was that it's something we've talked about in this podcast a number of times. I fucking hate when exposition is done in a really literary, like I'm just explaining this thing. This show did none of that. It was just throw you fucking into it. We don't have any explanation, at least early on, unless you've read about the show, why he's working in this kitchen, why he's deferring to his cousin, even though he owns this place, like all these things. But as you watch this episode, the family dynamics come into play and you realize why he's deferring to his cousin is because this cousin is the one that stayed behind and took care of his family while he was off in culinary school and making a lot of money being a chef in fucking Malibu or wherever he was at. And while the simple explanation is, yeah, you own this place, tell him to shut the fuck up and do your, you know, do his job. Family's not a simple solution sort of thing. I wish it was sometimes, but it isn't. And I just, I, I really appreciated a show that didn't treat me like it was an idiot that needed to have every little thing explained to me. And I thought the pacing of the show was great. Like I was hooked in the entire 30 minutes. We went and saw the opera A Thousand Acres last night, which is based off of the book A Thousand Acres, which is based off of King Lear. Uh, so basically the the issue is a farmer, he's old, he's got adult daughters, he's about to die. He wants the three of them to take over the business. One of them's like a lawyer in Des Moines, doesn't want anything to do with it, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and she, so she won't sign the paper and all this stuff. And I'm just sitting there being like, so walk the fuck away and let the other, your two sisters take care of this. What if you don't care, what's, what is the problem <laughs> and all this, but it's just not that simple. It It's not, it, it's, I, yeah. All, all I was doing in my head for the first 15 or so minutes of the show was screaming at, uh, God, why can't I remember his name? Uh, Carmen, uh, the main character, screaming at him, just like, tell your cousin to shut the fuck up. You own the place. Just tell him to shut the fuck up. Um, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. Well, he had a gun. Well, he had a gun. We find that <laughs> out later. But And then the other part of it was I wanted to scream, and I would catch myself every time having to refute it, but I wanted to scream, just fire this fucking idiot. Not his cousin, but like anybody else that was being an asshole or throwing his knife away or like any other sort of bullshit. Just fire them. But then I thought, who the fuck is going to hire? Right. And also, it, it really felt like, yeah, I can't fire these people. These people have been working in this restaurant for years. These these It felt like these people were pretty much family also. I did not. I agree that that's how his cousin saw them. I do not agree that that's how Carmen saw them. Mm-hmm. But... You get the sense, especially later on as he's talking to... Was that his sister that came in and gave him the the jacket or whatever? You get the sense that there's something about his like need to make this business work again. This, this uh, you know, whatever. I don't even know what they sell. It's just a sandwich like, shop. Sandwich shop in Chicago. Make this work again to honor his brother. I Did we ever find out how his brother died? We got... I would assume based on ages that it was probably sudden and not or like OD sort yeah, of thing. They did some they just did some like sharp cuts in the kitchen at one point when he was like picking up a knife on the floor that led me to believe there might have been an act of violence in the yeah. restaurant. Yeah. Um but I'm not a hundred percent sure. 
I don't think he sees them as family, but I, I do agree that he may see a sense of obligation to them because of whatever happened to his brother and the fact that he doesn't want to sell this place, even though, as far as we can tell, it's drowning in debt. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's guilt. He's doing this because of guilt, because he wasn't around when all the shit came down, and now he's... I think he feels like his actions were selfish when he ignored everything, and now he's come to the realization of that, and that's driving him to take over this business and yeah yeah i i agree what i appreciated though is that his his performance of it was really morose but i think that's just how this guy's face is, face looked but like the like whole, dustin hoffman he looked like dustin hoffman there we go i i've been spending this whole time uh or yesterday i thought of a game because before i had even a chance had a chance to look up the actor i was like this guy's got to be the kid of someone famous because i've never seen him before Oh, I've never watched Shameless. Yeah, he's lip. Yeah, yeah, I've never watched Shameless. Um, but this did make me want to watch Shameless because I really liked him in this. I was certain that he was the kid of someone um, and went looking it up and was had a game in my head as I was like looking it up. Like, oh, I'm going to he looks like a couple of different actors. I'm going to figure out who we're going to play a game like whose kid is he? But it wouldn't have flown because you obviously knew that this guy was in something. And then B, yes, it's Dustin Hoffman. That's the only one I could think of that he looked a lot like yeah like if he was going to be in a movie and they needed to cast his grandfather or vice versa yep just it, it's it's him when he was much younger yeah and it's there's just enough off that like oh that could be his kid yeah if they were gonna if they were gonna remake the graduate yes this guy <laughs> i think they are remaking the graduate though by the way i'm gonna double check that because i'm pretty sure the casting was terrible I know they did that, like... I don't know. This isn't anything. That sequel with Jennifer Aniston and... um, What's his name? Dances with Wolves? Kevin Costner. What? Kevin Costner and who? Jennifer Aniston. To The Graduate? Yeah, where she realized... It's not... She Jennifer Aniston realizes The Graduate is based on a true story, and it's the true story of her family. Uh, so, uh, like, I think she realizes that her mom is Elaine in The Graduate and then tracks down Dustin Hoffman's character, played by Kevin Costner, and then has an affair with him also. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Um, I, I may be wrong. Maybe it was just pitched something, but I did find this article that apparently Lauren Michaels wanted to do a remake of The Graduate with Mike Myers. <laughs> And Mike Myers had to be like, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. And Mike Myers will do anything, right? Like <laughs> I do this, the fucking love guru. By the way, how did we let his Netflix show just go under our radar? By the like... grace of God, we did. <laughs> because I saw that show, and day one, I was like, Michael's gonna make us watch that show. Well, I remember when it was first announced he was gonna do something for Netflix, and you and me were both like, "Fuck yeah." We're, but we thought saw, at that time I, it was going to be a sketch comedy show, and we were like, yes. I don't remember that. Oh. Um, I Mine was, was only based off of watching. Yeah, we've been doing this podcast for <laughs> almost three years now. Um, my uh, assessment of it was just based off of watching the trailer. I just went, God, this looks terrible, and Michael's absolutely going to make us watch this. If I would have made it watch, if I would have made us watch that, it wouldn't have been because I thought it was going to be bad. It would have been because like it's a Mike Myers show. Let's check this out. Yeah, but yes, it would have been terrible. People have probably figured it out from context, but should we talk about what this show is? Sure, go we, ahead. We haven't done it. In, in, how long's it been? Twenty minutes? Fifteen minutes? I, 
<laughs> Sorry about that. That's that's usually my job <laughs> to prompt that. <laughs> I thought about it ten minutes ago. I was like, "Now, nah, fuck it. We're still going. Let's just go." Wait, hold on. I'll just say it now and then edit it into sooner. Do you want to tell everybody what this is about? Yeah, my idea that I said like two minutes ago. Absolutely, I'll do that. The, my idea that I said like two minutes ago. I'm just going to weave that in all the way throughout. <laughs> Michael's making scissors motions at me. It's absolutely staying in because I'm going to keep saying it over and over again. And it's going to make his job that much harder. <laughs> dude, dude, you say um enough that I'm used. <laughs> I'm very used to editing around that type of stuff. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, um, 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 this is a show we're watching. We already talked about the bear. Uh, so this is a show about a guy who's. <laughs> we didn't even say. The I, name I of honestly the show. couldn't remember for a second. We didn't say the name of the show. I was like, Jim, but then I remembered the whole FX on Hulu jokes. Um, <laughs> it's about a guy who's going back to run his brother's old sandwich shop in Chicago. Uh, he left home. We, we don't have a t- we don't have a ton of information. It's just he's we're thrown right into it. This isn't his first day on the job, which any other show would do. This is him probably days or weeks into this right into his day at work with a bunch of people that don't like his changes to their quote unquote system. And it's just about him coming to grips with how to make this restaurant successful and by all indications, as far as we can tell, he's been a very successful chef away from his family. Yeah, we see, we catch glimpses of his James Beard Award, and uh, somebody makes mention of, like, he was the top chef at, like, one of the top restaurants in the country. Like, he he would be a, a name, he would be, like, a, a top chef contestant type of level of notoriety. Mm-hmm. Um and he's got the right attitude for it too, but uh, what is that? What do you mean by that? Oh, just all the drama on Top Chef and everybody yelling all the time. I never got the sense from this. You and I had two very asset, different assessments of this show. Not just like I loved it and you were kind of fine with it, but I think I never got the sense that he was doing a lot of the yelling. He was the one that was trying to calm down the fucking chaos the whole episode. He yells a lot. He has to to be heard <laughs> over the people that are already yelling and talking a lot and generally just being asshats about shit that he clearly knows what the fuck he's doing about. Yeah. He also needs to work with them and his cousin to make things work right. Like his cousin is, I think his cousin has a lot of experience with this place and these workers and the clientele that he. And obviously he is going to, in the right. series at some point, find that information very valuable. And he's going to be able to do what he wants, but also sort of meet the expectations of all of these people and elevate this place in such a way that they're all going to be happy and comfortable with it. They they threw a scene into this that I fully expected to happen later in the show that plays into that whole dynamic, which is that he thinks that this cousin you know it's great and wonderful that you quote unquote run this place but this place has a lot of fucking debt a lot of bills so it clearly wasn't doing everything great so i got this yeah i got the sense from carmen that he probably thought that this cousin didn't have a whole lot to offer and i fully expected there to be a scene where he fires him 
you know, at some point just because of the ass hattery that goes on back and forth. And then something happens for him to realize how much he needs that cousin there to not just help manage the people, but also the customers. And like, he's got some knowledge that this guy's clearly lacking. Um, but they threw that into episode one, which is where Carmen's getting the absolute shit kicked out of him. And his cousin comes out and fires a gun into the air and just tells all the uh, patrons that were waiting to come into the restaurant to chill the fuck out. And I do not believe that that situation would have escalated in the way that it did with like just a bunch of people waiting to play in a video game tournament. The guy comes out and he's like, hey, guys, settle down. And they just start beating on him immediately. Right. I don't think you have hung around enough people that are fanatics about video games because his cousin coming out and shouting about like QAnon and whatever about how all these fuckwads need to chill the fuck out. He's nailing that particular demographic pretty well when it comes to that level of fanaticism about some defunct game that hasn't been around for 30 years. Also, he just needs to make the fucking spaghetti. I disagree. Fuck the spaghetti. I think... It would be really neat. Like, I get his point. He wants uh, to do a new menu. He wants to elevate things. And the spaghetti does not fit. He thinks that it takes too long to prepare and the quality is too low. Uh, But to everybody else's point, it's their most popular menu item. I think he needs to maybe tweak it a little so it's not as time, you know, not such a time suck. But they add, they needs to keep it on the menu and have like have a little special like legacy like this is the legacy spaghetti from the you know that'd be a neat little thing like it doesn't fit in here but it's a little callback to what this place used to be. My perception of that whole interaction is almost certainly colored by the many 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 episodes of Kitchen Nightmares that I've watched where this scene happens every time. Gordon Ramsay comes in and says, "Your menu sucks." All these food, all these foods suck, and every one of them is like, "Well, what about this? This is like our top seller. People love, people go crazy for this stuff." And a, it's dog shit. And b, he's, he asks them for numbers, like, "How how much are you actually selling in a given week?" Three, like saying that it's it's your best seller and everybody loves it, and a failing restaurant means nothing. I agree. I think, and I'm certain that there will be a scene where that happens where he elevates it we kind of get a glimpse of it when it come came to the the hot beef sandwich or whatever that he was helping uh that chef make the bread on like it's not the mixer that sucks you need to put a pan of water in and don't te- tell me te- how to do my job right teaching him how to do something keeping the thing on the menu but you know using some smarts to make it better i think he'll do something like that with the spaghetti as well if they keep this a whole point of contention otherwise i would be fine if they just ignored it because spaghetti in a fucking sandwich shop really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And that's like a spaghetti sandwich. It didn't sound like it was a spaghetti sandwich. Especially if the sauce is as runny as uh, Carmen was making it sound like. It sounded mm-hmm. like it was just watery shit. Yeah. It's, it, to me, it felt like the spaghetti... Oh God, I, I would get at a cafeteria in, in high school. You yeah. Know? Is spaghetti sandwich a thing? I'm sure somebody's made one. Absolutely certain of it. I might have just invented a new sandwich. Our s- <laughs> People also asked, are spaghetti sandwiches a thing? Um, if you want one, though, we're just a couple of hours away from a place that sells them. Target Field in Minneapolis apparently sells them. 
uh, yeah, it's a, I guess maybe it's not Australian. It's, uh, known as a spaghetti jaffle in Australia. It's a sandwich prepared using cooked spaghetti sauce, bread, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like you would fully fucking expect. I was pretty sure, uh, in that scene where he finds his knife underneath the stove or whatever, where someone's clearly thrown it, um, that he was going to stab his cousin. <laughs> I was absolutely certain he was going to stab him. Like I, everything had been thrown together. It wasn't outside the realm of possibility that maybe the reason he came back is because he has a history of violence and couldn't work at that restaurant anymore. You know what I mean? Any number of things. It was just going to turn into like uh Sweeney Todd. Only yes. yes. <laughs> we can't afford beef. So I guess we're going to start cooking uh human meat. Uh, maybe he would have, but his cousin, as we've noted, had a gun at that point in time. I don't think he knew that. <laughs> so that guy, uh, Thack, like the uh, repair guy that was helping out around the shop, big dude. Yeah, with uh, all the like t- hand tattoos and stuff. Yeah, uh, that guy is a relatively famous chef. Um, at least on like he's got a YouTube channel and shit like that. His name's Maddie Matheson. I find him obnoxious. As I was watching this, I'd written the note down. I'm absolutely certain that he's a producer on the show because so much of this based at seemed just based on my admittedly poor knowledge, like it, somebody who's worked in kitchens made this show. Um, and I don't think that the guy that created it did. So they probably had some producers or writers that had done so and were keeping some of this shit very realistic. I might be out of notes. They they rag on Bobby Flay in this. Did you catch that? What did he say? Uh, they um, called they called him Bobby Flay as an insult, and he snapped at him to not call him Bobby Flay. Is okay. Is Bobby Flay a good cook? Is he a good chef? I think he was, maybe is again, but I think there's a middle period where, he, like Rachel Ray, is Rachel Ray a good cook? I'm sure she was. No, I think Rachel Ray's thing is she's not like a act, like a classically trained chef. Like, her, so are you like asking a, if he's a classically trained chef? I know he's a classically trained chef. I'm wondering if he's like actually talented or if he just like gets by on his. I don't think he's got a great personality. Like, I, I've watched enough, you know, watching Iron Chef, and then we used to watch Beat Bobby Flay when that was a show. The dude's kind of personality list. Like, the only thing that he has going for him is basically. Me and Kathy used to joke, he just puts chili powder in everything. Mm. Um, and that that's kind of all he has going for him. So I don't think it's just him getting by in his Emerald Legacy, like fucking charisma. You know what I mean? So I think he's got to, he had to have at least been good at one point in time. I don't know if he still is. Hmm. I know Morimoto hates his guts. Oh yeah? Why is that? Uh, apparently when, before Iron Chef came over and it was just in Japan, Morimoto was in the Japanese version. Yep. Uh, they did a trip to New York uh, to challenge some chefs, and Bobby Flay was one of the chefs who went up against Morimoto. And at the end, Bobby Flay got so worked up that he grabbed Morimoto's cutting board and threw it on the ground and stomped on it and declared himself the winner, which Morimoto didn't take too kindly to. I can see that. <laughs> and uh, then the judges disagreed with Bobby Flay, and he lost, he lost because it's fucking Morimoto. It doesn't surprise me that Morimoto doesn't like him based on that story. It does surprise me that he did that because, again, Bobby Flay is just so personality-less. Like, the dude's just, he's just so bland. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think he puts chili powder in everything because he thinks that that's going to spice up his personality, but it, it doesn't. 
we see him eventually going to making the spaghetti after his cousin saved his ass out there, right? Yeah. It's currently uh, 3 p.m. His cousin told him earlier that that sauce somehow takes seven hours to make. It's in a can. The sauce. No, that was canned tomatoes. That's not the sauce. Oh, I thought it was. Just, I thought he just pulled out some pre-made <laughs> sauce. Maybe he did, but that's not that's not the impression I got. But maybe that was that that would explain away my bullshit with this. So, well, what's your bullshit with it? it th- that it was going to take seven hours if they're open. It was three o'clock when he started. It'd be ten o'clock before he was done. Who's eating that? I do, I sincerely doubt this place is open much later than ten, because I bet that you get a lot of drunk fucking idiots. Uh, right around there yeah i'm surprised they weren't open for lunch same and then last just as a testament to uh how engrossed in this show i was when uh that dude that i don't remember his name that he helped with making the bread yeah at the end of it uh he tells him to go do something and that guy finally responds heard chef like he's been trying to get people to like get into this communication style that happens in kitchens uh, I've never been more relieved in my life. Like it was just this very visceral, like fuck finally. <laughs> um, and all that did was just it, it very immediately and viscerally uh, show me how much I really enjoyed this show. Nice. It was dope. You want to write uh, episode two? We can. World's our oyster. We can do whatever the fuck we want. It's our podcast, my dude. Yeah. Let's write episode three. All right. Okay. So what, what happened, happened at the end two? of episode two? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Here's what happened at the end of episode. At the end of episode two, what's the main character's name? Carmen. I'm Carmen. Okay. He goes by the bear, or he goes by bear. We don't know why. Okay. So this is what happens at the end of episode two. He is in his car, and he is in uh oh he's in green bay he drove to green bay like he had been planning for some supplies because he can get it cheaper there and he unlocks his trunk to load it in and he finds like a um the child of one of the employees in there uh who had snuck into his car and snuck into the trunk and he unwittingly like drove to green bay with with like a 10 year old in his trunk Okay. Like that's the that's the cliffhanger at the end of episode two. So I'm presuming in episode three we find out why this dumbass child snuck into this guy's this ra- is it somebody he knows? Yeah, it's it's like um the woman who keeps saying like stop using my pot, it's like her son. So her son would just thought it'd be funny to hop into her boss's well, car's if you, trunk if you want to write episode two we can do that if you want to know why he why the kid's in the trunk no but... no 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 we can't we can't know why he's in the trunk in episode two if it's a surprise that he's in there at the end of it we find out in episode three why he was in the trunk okay because it's got to be a surprise to him otherwise what's the fucking stakes like he knew the kid was back there the whole time it was just like <laughs> fucking idiot kid <laughs> like taking the rocky road just to fuck with the kid no, I would think in episode two, earlier in episode two, you see like a scene where he's in a fight with his mom and he storms off or something like that. <laughs> and he goes to every 10 year old's favorite hiding spot. The his mom's his boss, boss is <laughs> drunk. He's just in there. He's just in there playing uh, 
I was trying to do a deep pull on something, but I can't remember the name. Game of Gear. Game Gear was what I was thinking of. <laughs> I knew it before you put your hands up, but then the second you put your hands up, up I was like, oh, like, that's yeah, a Game Gear. Because I knew it couldn't be the Switch because like that would be I, a little more top of mind. But right. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, he's just in there playing a Game Gear. I'm going to raise the stakes a little bit because so far the cliffhanger ending of episode two is that a kid's in his car. I think the actual cliffhanger is that uh, he sees the he opens up the car and he sees the kid and then he says, oh, shit. And he looks up and sees that it's a full moon. And we find out then why he's called Bear. <laughs> he's a werebear. <laughs> I love it. So, so the actual... Um, so the actual cliffhanger is he looks up at the full moon and you hear like a bear like roar in the distance and he looks and you just see like some hair growing from behind his ear and then the credits start to roll. Yep. And then episode three opens up and the guy he's meeting for like supplies for like cheap milk or something. <laughs> um, uh because episode two episode two by the way there was a great deal of number crunching to see whether or not it was worth driving to green bay to buy the milk or just buying it yeah, at the which is why store. we skipped over episode two to get to episode three yeah and so uh the guy comes up and he's like hey i got the i got your cheap milk for you and then he's like oh shit it's a werebear I, I was imagining that he was going to Green Bay to get meat, not milk, since that was <laughs> what you said earlier. And then what I imagined was... I don't was, care what I said earlier. We, we, we're skipping forward in episode three a little bit, and he's like, to start episode three, and he's driving home, and the guy that he was going to meet calls him, and he's like, I thought you were coming to get meat. And you see him, get, and he goes, nah, I don't need it anymore. And then it pans out to the trunk, and there's blood dripping down the trunk, <laughs> intimating that he's killed this kid, and he doesn't need meat anymore. We're getting into Sweeney Todd. Let's go. <laughs> so when he's driving his car is... Kid's dead. Yeah, but when he's driving his car, is he still transformed into a bear? No, this, we've, we've already skipped forward in time. Like, it's like, like the sun's coming up. Sun's come up. He's he's like he's driving back to Chicago. This like sunrise or whatever. So we don't even have to see it. That way we can save on special effects. We can save his transformation into a werebear into like the second to last episode to really like ham up the drama, you know? Yeah. I like it. This uh, is my petition to you. Like Netflix or anybody, frankly, like Netflix. Netflix, like anybody, um, Netflix. Is that a thing? TM, 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 Um, we holy shit. We need to hold on. I'm going to see if I can buy Netflix.com right now. All right. But yeah, I think we just we need to save some money on special effects because we're we're gonna go we're in a wild out in, in episode eight or whatever this show ends on. Dude, Sweeney Todd's one of my favorite shows I've seen live. I've seen it live a couple times, and both times were fantastic. But I'm thinking about it. How much better would it be if Sweeney Todd were a werewolf? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or a werebear in this. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, like any of them. Yeah. What are you looking up? I'm going to see if I can get... Uh, oh, Netflix. Netflix.com. Never mind. It wasn't meant to happen. Squarespace sucks. Yeah, fuck you, Squareface. Don't even try to advertise on our podcast. Yeah, don't. See what happens. A million dollars? Just try it. 
Yeah, we we fucking dare you. <laughs> we dare you to offer us a million dollars to advertise on our podcast. And don't think about it in the opposite way, which is that if you really wanted this to stop, you could just rip the domain out from underneath us. You couldn't possibly think to do that. Damn, it's not available. I had a feeling. That sucks. Oh, oh, I know what could happen next in this episode three. <clears throat> so he comes back to the restaurant. And he comes in, like all the workers are there, and uh, like the mom of the kid that he just killed is like, oh, hey, how's it going, Carmen? Carmen? I keep wanting to call him Lip. How's it going, Carmen? Uh, and he's like, oh, great. And she's like sharpening knives. And he's like, oh, uh, we get some new knives. And she's like, oh, yeah, a salesman came by. They're made of silver, isn't that, isn't that kind of neat? <laughs> and he's just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, oh, yeah. And he's just, like, looking around all shifty. And he's, like, he's looking at the cut on his, like, all of the cuts on his hands. So, like, I cut myself so much. I can't use these knives. <laughs> I can't cook anymore. So, like, throughout this throughout this uh, episode, they're like, why don't you try one of the new knives? And he's, like, chopping something. And they're like, why don't you try one of the knives? He's, like, snip and, like, cuts his fingers. Oh, shit. Ah. Oh, no reason. I just don't, you know, I like my, you know, you know how much I like my knife. I it's, spent, it's very expensive. I spent like the f- like whole first episode looking for my knife. So, you know. I think somebody's got to uh, start putting two and two together, though, by episode three, because we've got to have the drama of somebody else knowing and him trying to find a way to shut that person up. Oh, yeah. Without and, murdering them. Oh, no, he's got to murder him and bake him into Eventually, a but he's, he's going to try and find a way not to do that. Because otherwise it's going to start looking obvious when a bunch of people start dying and or going missing around his shop, you know. But then he just keeps killing the people. That are sus- have you seen Sweeney Todd? I've seen Sweeney Todd. I get it. I'm just saying that we can't have killed a bunch of people by episode four if we have a planned eight episode arc and possibly a season two. I'm thinking like a producer. I'm thinking the long game. Uh-huh. I see. I see. Not related to episode two or three, but I'm calling it now. He's absolutely going to have to sell that knife. That knife, like, I saw that knife. It's worth a lot of fucking money. I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. Uh, if he worked at a restaurant that nice, I'm very aware of chefs that have kitchen knives that are in the thousands of dollars that they hold on to. Oh, yeah. And they've got them, like, engraved and all yeah. sorts of stuff. So he's absolutely going to have to sell one to keep things afloat. It's going to be a real watershed moment for him. That's a good call. You're right. That's got to happen. Um Should a new game that we do instead of writing episode two is like have like one through ten written out and just reach into a hat and pull out a number and that's the episode we write? I'm trying to think of a way to make that differ from week to week because anything other than episode two, we're making up what happened to the episode before and then just going into some wild shit, which functionally isn't that different from what we're doing in episode two but it is different enough that this was an interesting uh aside for us but i don't know that there's a way for us to make oh this week we're doing an episode six different from oh this week we're doing an episode seven thus kind of oh yeah you know what i'm saying like there's got to be maybe it's just a couple maybe it's episode two we pick a mid-season episode and then season finale or and then series finale even too. Like oh, there, yeah. there's your four like or a couple different. Or we put like different plot points in a different hat, so we have to do like episode uh, episode six, and then we draw out a plot point that's like 
So here we, we might be onto something here. I've been thinking we've joked about it for a long time about uh, how to make this podcast even remotely like break even. And we every time joke about how doing Patreon is just making our friends pay us to do a podcast for them. <laughs> um, but I have still thought in my head, like, what would we even offer for a Patreon? And I think at the basic level, it could just be you get to send us plot points that we then put into that hat that we have to at some point bring up and go. Oh, yeah. There's all sorts of Patreon. Rewards oh, I, I'm, I'm sure do. there is, but it still boils down to we're making like friends and family pay us to do a podcast that they listen to occasionally. Also, we've tried setting stretch goals for other things and it has not worked. So. Right. Yeah, that's that's ratings and reviews. I've given up on that. It's been three years. We have 31. And 20%. At, at that pace, it'll be 20 years. But at the actual pace, it will be a thousand years because I think it, we haven't had one in a year. I'm pretty sure. Oof. Wow. Uh, or damn close to it. I know it was 2021. Um, so that's not happening. Now I'm thinking about is uh, how to break even. Not even on the streaming services side of things. I've given up on that, too. That was a, a stretch dream for me. It was just like, it'd be nice to not have to pay for our streaming services because we just write it you know, off as part of the show. Um, now it's just, how do we get somebody to pay for our web, ca- our, our web hosting fees? <laughs> because fucking Squarespace isn't going to do it. That's right. for sure. That's, I dare you, those, Squarespace. Yeah. Those, those just try it, scaredy, Squarespace. Scaredy cats. <laughs> Squarespace, more like scared space. (laughs) Yeah. All right. You want to wrap it up? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the episode one podcast with Michael and Eric. Uh, You can check out our website. It's episode one podcast.com. That is hosted by scared space. Um, Or you can follow us on Twitter at episode one or at podcast episode one. That's the numeral one. Those should keep you up to date on our episodes as they come out. If you like the show, leave a rating or review. On Apple Podcasts, at this point, you're making it clear you don't like the show, so I'm not sure why you're still listening. Um, because They're not. They're not. That's fair. At this point, we're just screaming to avoid, which yep. aren't, aren't we all? <laughs> Last but not least, big thanks to Bosdi for the use of our theme song.